Welcome to another episode of Everyday El Dorado. I'm your host, Deanna Bond, and I'm here to share my perspective on the fine art of living well every day in El Dorado. Celebrating 150 years in El Dorado is brought to you by Everyday El Dorado in conjunction with Golden Road Studios the Butler County Historical Society, home of the Kansas Oil Museum, the City of El Dorado, KBTL 88.1 The Grizz, and our series sponsor, Linda Baines, Realtor with Sun Group Real Estate and Appraisal. We're so very grateful for the support that makes this series possible. Welcome to another episode of Everyday El Dorado, where we are celebrating 150 years in El Dorado. Why would you want to live anywhere else? I'm your host, Deanna Vaughn. And I'm Suzanne Walenta. This is the second part of our bonus episode on Brigadier General Alfred Washington Ellett. Sometimes we, it could be perceived by others that when we say he came here after the Civil War, that it would be just that particular year. Sometimes it could also mean that it could be many years later. The Civil War is then, do you want to say a... A marker in time. A marker, yeah, a marker in time. So, so when when we read something about him, what does it say when he got here, when he came to El Dorado? So this right here is an article from September of 1871, and it looks like he was visiting, I don't know where this paper is from. Oh, there's a clip from El Dorado Times. So, welcome him home. So they're calling it, welcome him home to El Dorado, although he resides a portion of his time in Illinois, Philadelphia and Washington. He is attached to Kansas. So first came his oldest son, E.C. Ellett, in the company with A.D. Knowlton. Um, next came Mrs. Knowlton, then he lists through the children. So let's say A.D. Knowlton, that group. So uh -huh. we we know after talking to Ken that, that uh, there were immigrant aid societies that started in the 50s. Uh -huh. And then, um, and then when families or they didn't just always come out as an individual they came out as a group yes and so this group was this i'd say the second wave of of uh interested parties in expanding the territory or now at this point kansas mm -hmm. um they came in 67 ish yes. because el dorado had been established there was commerce and some industry here mm -hmm. now who you talk to depends on what you know how much if you hear um when we read from, oh, what's that gentleman's name? You know, he wrote the book about trapping and hunting on the... Oh, Jeremy. Yes. You know, words hard. Let me have some more coffee. <laughs> you need more coffee. Um, so, you know, he'll say uh, there wasn't, you know, a whole lot here, but he did mention what he did see um, in 63, one of which was um, Henry Martin, mm -hmm. which I think is he's a good cornerstone to keep in mind because he was right there at Main and Central and he had his uh, people store and that was still here in 70 when Ellie came. It was yes and I like what you were just saying a little bit ago about okay so in the 1850s it was a voting I like what you're talking about the voting district versus a land district. Okay yeah so what what that is is when our first founders came what that was in 1857 they came for the express purpose of expanding the voting district yes. to vote Kansas in as a free state and this was the frontier this was the edge of it there were not settlements out this far <laughs> you know mm -hmm. south and west I mean we're down into Indian territory. Right yeah. Ten years later the Civil War has happened there's still some people here. Granted, probably not what what people would say it was a big settlement, but it was a town. Mm -hmm. There were some businesses. There was the um, the grocery store, Henry Martin's, like we mentioned. We had this, the livery, the Lambdens, who came in that first wave. They're still mm -hmm. here. Yeah. Um, so we have some, we, we have another uh, Erastus. He was maybe the first grocery store. Mm -hmm. um, so we, we have some here, but it's also right on the intersection of several roads. So it made sense that if a booming town didn't exist at the time, investors would think, oh, that, that's a good opportunity because it's on the road, there's some industry, it's going to boom. Yes. We wanna be there. 
and since, you know, at this time people are still, we want to be the first, we want to establish this and that, the, the voting district was established now. The next thing to do was let's get the land district in our office, in our town. Mm -hmm. Because at that point we had the, where Butler County was going was to um, Humboldt. Mm -hmm. Is, is what they were having to take a trip. Well, you know, then there was the, if we don't get there fast enough, the other person might make the claim before we do. True. Also, when people are going to Humboldt, they're staying in hotels, they're eating, they're, you know, they're staying a day before they take the journey back. So they're making money. Mm -hmm. So the early settlers are seeing that and they're like, we need some of that action. Investors realize that too. And in uh, 67, when Edward Ellett mm -hmm. comes, and then he realizes, hey, this is a place. Let's let's uh, let's assist, settle here. Uh, let's see what we can bring. His father's pretty influential at this mm -hmm. point with government, and yes, traveling. And he's got connections because he's living in Illinois. He's like Philadelphia, Washington. So he's a lot of high up political connections. He's able to do some lobbying. Yes, yes, that's a good term. Yes, and I believe that he did come visit, and oh, he was not. like a second home, third or fourth mm -hmm. home. I don't think he was a permanent resident yet, mm -mm. but I think he came, could see the potential. He's getting older at this point, you know, right. in the seventh. So he was 50 almost at this point. Right. He was born in 1820. So by 1870, he's probably ready to settle down a little more. His son's here and, um, you know, checking out the lay of the land. There's a lot of opportunity, not a lot of development, and I think they see the the advantage of having a land office here because if his son's an attorney, who's going to have to help people with their paperwork? Yes. So what does he need? He needs customers. He's going to need people who need to come use his services. So if there's a land office here, then Edward Ellett's going to have the opportunity to to grow his business. Mm -hmm. So it makes sense. Um, so that's what we see when we first see Al Alfred General, Brigadier General Ellett <laughs> appear on the stage, it's because he is here to help bring, you know, benefits to town. Yes. And it is, he does help build our town, but- And to invest. It is to invest. He's into real estate and he's, and if he wants his real estate investments to grow and pay off, he's gonna have to bring some, um, improvements to the town. And I like how you mentioned, if you look at, well, I mean, later maps, we don't know for sure when he bought the land, but he's purchased land on the north end of town and the south end of town. Cause you're right. He is thinking about which way is this town growing? So if I can purchase some land here and here, and most likely, like you said, when he purchased the lot of land for the Ellet Opera House block, he has now purchased in land within the city limits. Mm -hmm. Where is this investment going to go? What am I going to do with it? So he's, and what we saw, I'll have to pull it up again, 18, was it 1873? Was the he purchased land, that land office record? Mm -hmm. I'll have to go back, but. 1873. So you're, yeah, he's not necessarily living here in the early 18s. He's coming and going, but he's, in, he's an investor living out of state, purchasing for this new, ter this space that, is growing. It is growing across Kansas. Mm -hmm. El Dorado is not the only place that is just booming. 1870s is big for mm -hmm. a lot of towns in Kansas. But but we we found him, and you've seen mm -hmm. him on the census in 18, after 1873, he's in Topeka in Kansas City. Yeah, he shows up at Topeka. He shows in Kansas City. Um, and then these newspaper articles are then even saying he's living, what that one was, I'll have to Eight, Illinois, Washington, and Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. So he's constantly, he's moving. So what I think is he comes from Philadelphia originally, and then he, as a young man, moves to Illinois because an older brother's there. So I think his birth place and say, original family is there, but mm -hmm. then he grows, some accounts I read, he grew to his manhood in Illinois. Yes. Started his first business mm -hmm. before the war there. Yeah. And then I think each place he's been, he kind of has had some family and friends. So he's able to go back. Maybe he's left investments there, homes, properties, things that he can either go back and tend to. And Ah, oh, you're right. Because if he is investing in Butler County and not start living here, there's other investments in other places. Possibly. No, we just haven't found them yet. 
doesn't he end up going to school or something in Illinois? Is that how he, I felt like I read something. I'll have to go back and double check. I feel like he went to school in Illinois or maybe it's just that his brother, I just feel like I had read something else. So he may have gone. So I do remember that he was in school. He left school before finishing. Oh, okay. Um, and I'm not sure if that was to come to Illinois or if once he was in Illinois, he went to school for a little bit, but he, his boyhood years were in Philadelphia. Uh -huh. And then he was probably still a young man, I would guess a teen uh -huh. um, or early 20s when he came to Illinois and was living uh -huh. with his brother and working and really kind of, that was striking out on his own. Was um, he like an apprentice? Because that's the, that's I think the so. ages of, because Lincoln is about the same age. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think he might be older. Well, and there was apprentice, apprenticeship, brother, yeah. I can't say the word, apprenticeship. Apprenticeship. <laughs> well, and you know, that it, that's a good question because his brother was a civil engineer and it does look, he, right. he went into that as well. So it's possible, you know, he did on the job learning. Mm. He also had, um, I think a grocery store. He had a, a, his own business for a, a while. Did. A.W. <laughs> you know, we'll start talking about all the L's here. Because well, then his grandson becomes A.W. too. Mm -hmm. And they have more than one yes. colonel and lieutenant colonel, but yes. only one general. So, um, I was trying to pull up some more family tree records here and see if I could get more census stuff. Dudes. Yeah, I think looking at when he got married to his first wife mm -hmm. and where his children were born, which was Illinois, mm -hmm. right? Um, yeah. He married her in 1843 at 23 mm -hmm. in Illinois. Mm-hmm. Then his son, Edward Carpenter Ellett, so EC, mm -hmm. who ends up in El Dorado. Mm -hmm. um, William Henry, some of these names I don't. I... And we know that his first wife has died um, at, he, and by the time he comes to uh, this is not a good record. I don't like settle one. in El Dorado permanently, then he marries his second wife mm -hmm. and um, Abigail. Roberts. Let's yes. see. When did he marry her? It says on there. I think it was because I think if he didn't marry her when he got here, he w had eighteen seventy eight. So yeah, he married her in oh. Kansas. But where's yes. that in Topeka? Uh, no. I uh, let's see. If they have this one. I don't know if they have a record for this. They may have just put their date in. Uh, they just put a date in. Which was. They just put 1878. So I bet we would check the marriage records. And I feel like it was in Topeka, Kansas City, because that's where he was living at that time. He wasn't permanently here yet. Yes. He had investments. It's showing he married her. I think this is, yep. Yeah, he got married to her in Illinois. He may have gone back to Illinois. Sure, during his travel. Yeah, yeah. yeah she, he may have known her from when he lived there and it was married the first time. Uh, they were related. Oh, they were related. Were they cousins, maybe? No, it's his niece. His niece? Well, it was actually his first wife's niece. Okay. So, technically, but it's his niece. By marriage, but By not. marriage, yes. He's not blood-related to her. Yeah. So, he knew her. Yeah. Or knew of her. I shouldn't say he knew Well, her. that's very common. It was very common back then because yeah. so often women didn't have rights. So, it wasn't unusual. And I'm not going to phrase this perfectly, but it wasn't unusual for then someone in the... If she had no one to take care of her, whether it's on a father, whether she had not been married or no brothers. A kinsman redeemer. A kinsman would take care, would marry her and take, yeah. Redeemer is a good word for it, yeah. Just like in the story of Ruth. Yeah, it's really, yeah, It's it was completely, cousins would marry cousins and it's just, it was completely, completely normal. It sure. Was not unusual. We don't, we don't um, understand that as much because that was also before women had the right to vote. Yes. And like we were talking yesterday, Ken says... <laughs> when we were talking with Ken, you know, and, and, you know, he brought up an interesting, you know, maybe it's not a fact exactly. We don't know that someone exactly said this, but, um, you know, the idea that when um, blacks were getting the right to vote, it was considered absurd, not only that, that women would ever get the yeah. right. Yeah, like that was just a laughable statement. Why would women ever... Of all the things in the universe. I mean, if we have to give the right yeah. to vote to the blacks, we're just, it's not going to happen with women. Yeah. So, Aliens are more likely than women voting. <laughs> it's really what it was boiling down to. Because women do. don't. Because they didn't see women as equals and intelligent enough to vote. Not all men. Not all men. Some mm -hmm. men uh, absolutely mm -hmm. saw women as mentally equal, but mm -hmm. it was intellectually, not mental, right. intellectually equal, but not all. 
So that's, so that gives us, you know, maybe a better, a little bit better understanding or at least a different insight to, you know, why he would have married his mm -hmm. niece-in-law. Yeah. And let me double check on, I'm pretty sure it was niece-in-law. I can definitely double check on that. I'm not, I want to say the wrong. No, I hear you. And that's one of the good things about researching you mm -hmm. you learn you find out it's wrong you get to find something else out but it was definitely not in kansas he was, he was in, in illinois he was yeah he still was traveling mm -hmm. so i would think um the next kind of rabbit hole i'd want to go down is when the railroad was established because mm -hmm. we know he mm -hmm. was lobbying to bring it here mm -hmm. he wasn't here he still wasn't here then he was lobbying he was in washington he mm -hmm. was you know traveling and talking to to, to get that railroad here. Yeah, and there was, I really, this, I, and I, I just, for some reason, get stuck on this one. He, I'll have to Google it. He was lobbying in the 1870s for Butler County when the grasshopper epidemic came, or locust epidemic, I can't think of the right terminology, and people were starving in Butler County, and he was living in Topeka, and he was out lobbying for um, relief, basically relief, for Butler County citizens because people were starving. And again, completely makes sense because oh, yeah. his son was here. Yes. And maybe some grandchildren at this point. Yes. Oh yeah. Because you know, it's it's we don't see a lot written about him while he's living as far as his his person. Mm -hmm. Um it isn't until his death where in and everybody is then, you know, celebrated. We don't usually talk ill of the dead. No. Uh, but that's when we start to hear a little more about his character, his love of home, mm -hmm. you know, second to only his love of country, yes. but his real love to, to be home. And I think on his own kind of land and property and his uh, uh, adoration by his grandchildren. Mm -hmm. Now, this was at his death, how much they loved him. Yes. So I think definitely a family man. I think we can see evidence of that with the service in the war, how all his, his brothers and his nephews served with him, you know, how he, he, that, you know, they were the, the story of the Ellet mm -hmm. and their men, all the Ellet men and, uh, and the, the Ramfleet. So I think there's definitely, I guess you could say provenance mm -hmm. for him being a family man. Yes. And doing things for his family yeah. and with his family. Yeah. He wanted to take care of to take care of people. Oh, I cannot find that Topeka article again. Gosh darn it! So that's something we can keep looking for for sure. Yeah, I'll just keep. I'll keep looking for it because I just thought it was an, it's an important key piece because we hadn't really heard he was in Topeka. Like that was news to me that he was in Topeka. So I'm, I'll try to find that piece. So he, yeah, and we did we see him show up in some city directories in Topeka and Kansas City. Seventy what is it? Seventy two, seventy four mm -hmm. in Topeka, and then his wife, his first wife, passes away while he's living in Topeka because mm -hmm. there's a, a small blurb in one paper where it says the general it names her and says she has passed away, and then that's all there is. Sarah. Sarah. Yeah. And you know that's interesting. I think maybe not to overlook those small articles in newspapers. You know, we've talked about this time and again, it's even death notices because wherever someone died, they're there. Yeah. <laughs> they're in that place for a reason. They either mm -hmm. live there or they're visiting. And if they live there, you're gonna find more documentation of, mm -hmm. if they live there, you're gonna find more documentation of their, their residency, if uh, uh, their landowners, uh, if they have any court records of any kind of dealings at all but if they're traveling people put that in the newspaper mm -hmm. you know so-and-so is visiting to town yeah. so-and-so from such and such place so you can get that little clue and if they weren't living in Topeka mm -hmm. that would have been big news he was General Ellett yes his wife died well if he if they were traveling they would have said while they were traveling um, so here's one this is from September of 1870 September 7th 1872 Quite a number of friends are visiting General Alfred W. Ellett and family of this city. And they're referring to Topeka because this is the Topeka Daily Commonwealth. Has recently, it is really remembered that General Ellett has but recently become a resident of our city, having removed here from Philadelphia a few months ago. So that's a key piece. We know that 1872 Topeka is saying, hey, General Ellett is here. He's a well-known man. He he's famous. He's we famous. have a rock star in our uh -huh. town. He's living in Topeka. The family consists of the general, 
his wife, two sons, one daughter, all of whom are now here except the youngest son. Um, and the youngest son would be Edward, who is in El Dorado? I, I think Edward, is it Edward the oldest? Maybe. I have to go back. I need to pull the family tree for this man. So we need to look because if they're saying all the children are there, the youngest, it doesn't make sense that they'd all be there if they yeah. were grown. Unless they're, again, a family right. man all together. And I think he, because it also lists the people that have visited. And one of the people it mentions is T.B. Murdoch, editor of the Times of El Dorado, Kansas. Mm -hmm. And they mentioned somebody else was coming. After the state fair, Miss Ellie Ellett proposes an excursion to El Dorado and to Ellett's ranch in Butler County, where the party will spend a short time camping out, hunting, and fishing. We wish the entire party a pleasant trip and also that they may be very well impressed with the capital city and surroundings. So if there's an Ellick farm there, is it their property? Because he hasn't bought that land until 73. Yeah. It could be, it had been scouted by Edward, the son. It could be the son, or there is another piece of property. I just found one record for land from the land bureau. There may be another one if but, I go deeper. So there may be another piece of property. Well, and we know on some of the older maps here in El Dorado, the plat maps, we see that he owns property north and south. Yeah. So it's just finding the... Which the record one? of when he mm -hmm. bought it. Because this is 1872. So yeah, which does this property belong to? Well, and this since they're talking about a farm mm -hmm. and camping, I would be interested to find out if it was the South Farm first because mm -hmm. another article I'd read about him said he had a deer park yeah. south of town. Yeah. Not to be confused with Deer Park RV. Deer Grove <laughs> RV Park. But it was, you know, the, his property, I believe, south of town. Mm -hmm. And he had 10-foot high fences. Yes. And he had deers mm -hmm. and he had baby does. And, you know, just really letting people know about it. Now, was it open to the public to come visit or make appointments or to camp? I haven't learned that much more, but he was pretty proud of the deer park. Yes. And the deer that he'd keep in the park. Yes. So they weren't roaming free. He no. was, they were like pets, but wild, wildlife yeah. pets. Yeah. No, I think, he, yeah, I definitely think he was very proud of that. So, no, I think it adds another piece of this family that is moving quite frequently about I know there was another Topeka article. Oh, I can't remember the Topeka, but um, oh here it is. What's this one? Do you want oh, to, he's worked on a farm. You want to spin your coffee label around so so we got product placement in this photo here. <laughs> <laughs> this episode is not I brought to you. No, make fun. <laughs> This episode is not brought to you by Bruco, but <laughs> we are fueled by the coffee from there. So absolutely at all times. Oh, here's an article from Wichita Eagle, December 30th, 1875. We acknowledge a call from General Alfred W. Ellett, one of the heaviest property holders in Butler County. And what year was this? 1875. Which goes just to the theory that he was invest he was a large investor. He absolutely was because he wasn't here full time just yet. Yes. Oh, here we go. Here's more. Besides owning a large number of acres of unimproved lands, he is cultivating several thousand acres in the Walnut Valley. He just brought in some fine sheep and other stock, the best ever brought to the Southwest. At that time, they considered Kansas as part of the Southwest. He was accompanied by Alfred J. Redden, Esquire of El Dorado, one of the leading lawyers of the Southwest. They represent Butler County in a prosperous condition. W.J. Cameron, the prompt, honorable, and reliable real estate agent of El Dorado, called to see us Monday. The judge is always a welcome visitor to the Eagle office. So what I wonder is, why isn't his son, Ellett, doing his legal work? Because he's here at that point. Was he... A a lawyer or was he just that's a good point because he was hired as part of Knowlton and Ellett yes and that was a law firm wasn't it I thought so I mean I suppose it could have been a land it I mean if it was a land a office land. again he's purchasing property and he's using a different lawyer for it because wasn't it the article we saw that in was so I don't wonder if his son was more of a um domestic uh-huh yeah let me print this yeah, I'm trying to print everything we find. Or at least email it to us. Oh, I'm printing, sorry. Oh, that's good. I can scan it and email it to us. Yeah. I can do that too. Um, you know, that's so, but that's interesting because this is all stuff that isn't really compiled in any one history or biography of him. What we hear mostly, and rightfully so, is his famed war battles, uh -huh. but not a lot about the man as, as he relates to El Dorado. Like, 
who is the man who built the Ellet Opera House? Mm -hmm. You know, who is he? Well, he, he built Ellet Opera House and he's a general. Well, there's so much more to him. Yeah, what's the profile? What's his... How did he get here? Mm -hmm. Why did he come? I'm very interested in why people came to El Dorado, why they settled it, why they founded it. Um, this was before the oil was found, but I think people had a feeling that this was a, I mean, it was beautiful, um, just by descriptions. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it, I think it could have just looked like a very prosperous place to invest and grow. And again, once the, the voting district was established, they've got to, I would say, for men who wanted to strike it out and, and, and uh, you know, be the first on the frontier uh, to, to uh, uh, discover things, whether it's gold or otherwise, <laughs> you know, El Dorado, our city of gold, so to speak, mm -hmm. um, they they needed to to discover something they needed to develop something mm -hmm. so at this point now what's available and quickly uh being purchased was the land yes and um he who owns the most land i mean it's always real estate real estate it real is. estate yes and especially that time period and you'll notice in that article it talks about unimproved land it was very much the thought process of the day everything in the West needed to be tamed, to be cultivated, to be... Developed and improved. To be developed and improved to, yeah. And if you... another term, I cannot think of what it is. Civilized. Civilized, yes, thank you. Yeah, their version of what civilized should be and how it should be perceived and shown is really, yes, civilized is the best term for it. You know, this, this goes back to a point Ken was saying in uh, one of our previous episodes, what Ken said. <laughs> we should have, he should have a series. <laughs> That's right. The Ken, Ken Says <laughs> Show. Well, he doesn't want us making t-shirts. I know. What are we going to do next? What Ken says. <laughs> Is, you know, during the bleak time of bleeding Kansas, the problem was people were coming here. They were saying, well, I'm from here. I'm voting. Mm -hmm. And that's creating the bogus bogus uh you know legislature mm -hmm. these people aren't really invested in the communities that they that they're just coming they're getting the land and they're leaving so that they're like i have a claim i'm you know even if they go that far but they're not really sticking around and so people were still doing that and we see with Elliot, he is making those initial purchases mm -hmm. he's not sticking around yet no. but what he does do then is work to bring that civilization as far as lobbying for the land office to bring more commerce to town, uh, lobbying to bring the railroad, again, to bring more travelers mm -hmm. and to, to aid in the commerce coming to town. And I think he's also still going back to Philadelphia, his homes in Topeka, you know, Kansas City, Illinois. And I think it's, I mean, this is just my estimated guess. Um, what investment's gonna pay off? Yes. And, and this is the most risky but also could provide the best reward in El Dorado and Butler County because there's so much opportunity for mm -hmm. growth. Whereas Philadelphia, you know, it's if you're not already at that point it's have family stash. land and money, it's going to be a lot harder to get into that. Mm -hmm. uh, Illinois is growing that way as well. Mm -hmm. And by the time he gets to Topeka, there's some more opportunity. But really, El Dorado and Butler County is still so ripe with opportunity. I think that's a great phrase. Yes, that's a great way to put it. Because you can be one of the first yeah. to be a land developer. And that's really what he's moving towards is that development. That's and that's a big deal in the 70s. We know even by mm -hmm. 1876, when we celebrate our first centennial, being the first, like documenting the first, you know, connect your connection to the first. What are your firsts? Yeah, I mean, our, our early, uh, their ancestry, they wanted to, uh, go back, draw it all the way back to the pilgrims. You know, who was our first families here? We've been here since the first, you know, um, they're not looking at Native American pedigree at, at this point, obviously, no, just a civilized pedigree. However, it is who came here first. Well, what, so what right does that give them? Well, I mean, aside from bragging rights, maybe mm -hmm. the perceived 
power and influence of being the first to do something, you know, and, mm -hmm. and with that, maybe some, some fame, but then that translates into reputation capital. If you don't have money capital, mm -hmm. you can trade on that reputation and get other people's money or OPM for them to invest in you and your properties or your ideas. And we see General Allen absolutely does that because by the time he's ready to help develop the business block where Ellet House, Ellet Opera House then is built in 1884, he is, in order to build that building, he's, he purchases the land, but in order to develop it, he's seeking investments, stockholders, people to invest so much a share. And I think I read $15,600 or something. Uh -huh. <laughs> I need to find that article again. Um, and he says in the article, uh, if I don't have that, then we'll just, I'll break up the lots on that city block and we'll just sell it off for smaller lots. So he's like, I'm going to get my money back one way or another. I didn't feel from that article, he's like, I want to build this grand building for the town to all benefit from, which is what it becomes later. And that's the story. And I mean, no disrespect to him, uh, but it really was an investment opportunity. And he's like, I got to get my money back. And I think he had to get his money back because he got it from investors back east to make the per the original oh. land purchase. Yeah, I and, see that. And if he doesn't get enough to recoup his money and pay back his investors, he's just going to have to chop it off and sell it up as smaller lots, yeah. which go quicker. But I, he was really, at this point, I do feel his heart was in building the community. He saw the potential and, um, and having a, a major meeting place that can bring more civilization to town. It was the first opera house this side of the, the oh. river, right? Is that what I read once? I don't know. I will I've not read that. More questions. That's my new conspiracy theory. But I do feel like I read that once. This that side of the Walnut River. <laughs> I feel like. I mean, I mean, which river? For, for sure, for sure. This side. <laughs> for sure, this side of the Walnut River. But I feel like it was the the Missouri River. Do I, I always get the, the rivers backwards? Ken's like that was the Kansas River. <laughs> The Mississippi River, this side of this side, this far west. Of, yes. Okay, so maybe it was the, the first opera house this far west. I, <laughs> I don't believe that. I don't know who wrote that. But the I first opera house in Kansas? Don't believe that. Okay, I don't know where I read okay, that. We're going to, I'm going to look. Cause I mean, that's just because of the age of Lawrence. I mean, maybe I made that up. I guess we just need to find out. Me, That's I'm going to put the first opera house in Kansas. In Kansas. I mean, I believe that you read that. I'm just going to say that somebody is BSing. Well, we found that a lot of that to be the case, haven't we? Things weren't exactly. Yes, no, things were not. In the 19th century, thousands of American towns had some sort of facility that included an auditorium. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a, that's well, yes. Terrible. So that was kind of the, the thing. See. They had community auditoriums, which we even had one built in 1920, but we had the Opera House well before right. that. And so I'm thinking that... Let's see what... How, if anybody has put some fun things. But it was a legit Opera House. Oh, it was legit. Yes. No and it was used for other things. Absolutely. Let's see what we've got Elder and Main Street has. I think uh -huh. you probably read something like that. I just, I doubt the veracity you know, you know, of their statement. I doubt the veracity of that too. And you know where I probably read it? Where? Local, a local oh, probably, source. Yes, I'm probably. certain it was probably a local newspaper yeah. article that would have made that claim because we yes. made a lot of claims back then. We did. We did make a lot. Because you want to be the first. It goes back to, I want to be the first of this. And I want to be the first of that. Yeah. But yeah, not, I, I, because if you say west of the Mississippi, then you've got Denver and Denver's really old. So but it wasn't as first. civilized, was it? By 1880? <laughs> We've got, you know, yes, the gold. We've got so much west of the Mississippi. So yeah, much that's has true. happened. That's true. San Francisco, the railroad did start on yes. that side before it got Which to is Kansas. technically west of the Mississippi. That's true. So it's just, it's just. It's your point of view. It's your perspective. It's your, which is always funny reading those old papers because you're, they want to be the first. So they will make these outlandish comments that you have to stop and. 
what and it may be the first as far as they know it's the first they knew of therefore it must be the first that's true and that's the thing all throughout history i oh, mean yeah. even thinking about you know i don't want to we had that early article in one of the first things is um he who is happy refrains from talking about politics and religion mm. but <laughs> we're going to talk about it for a minute <laughs> as we talk about politics and religion every major religion has their genesis oh. their first okay. how they started yeah. well which one's right it's based on their perspective. And, you know, there are some that are going to say, absolutely, ours is right. Mm -hmm. I mean, okay, I'm a Christian. I, I believe my faith. However, I'm also open to the fact that we all have our stories and tell our stories. And, and, um, and the perspective, you know, what, what, so if they would say, well, this is first, it may actually be the first as far as they're consciously aware of it. Right. And I'm sure Ella Opera House had a first of some kind. I just, because of the age of El Dorado. Well, it was first opened in 1884. Yeah. So by 1884, there's so many things that have happened to Kansas by that point that I would love to find that sentence because that would be fun to pick, yeah. pick apart. Not you know what? negative Nancy's, but that would be a fun thing to be like, what? You know what would be fun is to find out what was the first showing at the Ellet Opera House. Oh, That'd be yeah. easy to find. It, it would should... be in the Walnut Valley yeah, Times in 1884 just... if you keyword Walnut Valley Times, Ellet Opera House. Yeah. Because, you know, that would have been huge news. That would have been. Around November 20th, 1884. When did you say it opened? 1884. Um, Captain H.B. Seeley will deliver his popular lecture on the Battle of Gettysburg at Ellet Opera House on Friday evening, November 21st, 1884, under the aus auspices of WH8 Wallace Post number 69, and for the benefit of the Relief Fund. Tickets are 25 cents on sale at Woods and Morris National Hotel in D. Boyden Register Deeds Office. So that's interesting. Uh, so that's something that we know that the Opera House was used for other things as well as operas. They had speakers come. It looks like he was sponsored or originally his fare and mm -hmm. his original maybe travel and hotel or whatever was provided by the the H.H. Wallace. Was that a G.A.R. post? In El Dorado. So then... Um, a fascinating story. The G.A.R. post is fascinating, too. Another episode. Yeah, they're stay, pretty cool. Stay tuned. Very active. Stay tuned active. for that, because yeah. we cannot go down that rabbit hole today. <laughs> but I do... The Ellet Opera House, I find... So in... I want to say... I'm going to might have the date wrong. 1896, there's another push for women's right to vote. And Judge Aikman um, arranges for a... Um, we'll call it in today's terms, a town hall at Ellet Opera House. It's advertised as that. It's also advertised that Susan B. Anthony will be coming. She ends up not being able to come. She has a conflict of interest, not conflict of interest. I'm sorry. She has a conflict on her schedule and is unable to make it. She ends up doing some political act activity in Topeka that day, but it was actually, so then it was actually a landmark place for, they actually continue to have it. Judge Makeman continues to host the, this, um, Town Hall series. Town Hall series. And it, it still goes on. There's an article about it and how it's... 1896, though, General Ellett has passed. He passed he? in 1895. I think January of it, 95. So, you know, that's something is, uh, you know, we see... I mean, that's a whole nother... The history of the Opera House itself. Oh, absolutely. But, you know, what that speaks to is the legacy of mm -hmm. Ellett. Mm -hmm. You know, yes, he has this military legacy that is undeniable and the impact that then that has on the marine mm -hmm. and and warfare and just uh more than i even completely understand because i'm not a civil war uh historian well, especially military 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 historian so intricate maybe we could find a military historian that could be a guest yeah i mean expect people are very fascinating i i have a friend who uh, would uh, i believe attended the war college up there Oh. And, and so maybe we can get, maybe, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'll ask and see yeah. what they might know, if any, what they could enlighten. Not necessarily be a historian, but just right. give a different perspective. Well, and this, okay, this article is November 21st, 1884, so that's the next day. Mm -hmm. Silas Robinson, Robinson will open the Ellet Opera House with a strictly first-class company with Miss Jeannie, 
or I'm sorry, Miss Jenny Bowen as a principal artist who promises a fine entertainment. Let me see if I can find an ad. There's got to be an ad here. Yeah, for sure. For the first. I mean, there's got yeah. to be a, you know what? Type in grand opening Ellet Opera House. Oh, okay. That would probably be a better, you know, because they are going to advertise it. They're going to want to bring people from all over, not just El Dorado, but have people come down. I mean, it's the same story we're still telling in El Dorado today. Mm -hmm. Destination, come to us. Come see us. Bring your your money and invest. Stay the night in our hotels. Eat our meals. You know, come do something cool in El Dorado. And this was, you know, brand new. And this was height of civilization. Come to our, you know, our show, our speaker, our whatever. And what was that date? That is November, November 28th, 1884. So, we know it was open by then. Uh, how about, let's see, Ellet Opera House. Oh, here we go. The opening of General Ellet's new opera house by the Jenny Bowen combination on last Monday evening was one of the most notable events in the history of our young city and will ever be remembered by all present as a most enjoyable occasion. The play selected for the opening was entitled Solomon Isaacs, but better known elsewhere as Queen... Oh, as Queen's Evidence, and with Jenny Bowen as Kate Medlin and Silas Robinson as Isaacs. It was presented in its strongest and most favorable, favorable light. The hall was filled with our best people, and every lady was presented with a satin program as a souvenir of the occasion. Before the performance began, Mr. Robinson appeared before the curtain, and after a few remarks, introduced C.A. Leland, I made a brief speech of dedication, and it goes on to describe the play. You know, that's the kind of thing, like, hmm. do you think we would have a copy of that silk program? I can go look in there. I can look in our index. I don't know if we do. But if every lady present got one, where did, are those in private collections and families? I mean, surely, yeah. depending on how they were kept, they could be. And it could have, I mean, how many times did we all go to a program of a play and then pitch it? I mean, true, but this was a grand opening. Yeah. Of a big deal. I'm going to clip this and I'm going to print it so that we have it. I'm wondering if I'm missing where, um, so this was December 11th yeah. and the, the, it was the Monday last. And so that was, oops, I'm sorry. The first of December. So they were advertising it in November though, Jenny Bowen's. Uh -huh. So we could say Monday evening was last Monday evening. So December 11th. So. And what day was that? A Thursday? I don't know. Yeah, oh, it yes. Says, it says Thursday. <laughs> I'm the, I'm. I'm quite the researcher, you know. I ask <laughs> questions. It's all about asking questions. It is about asking questions. This is true. Because I want to know. So if, if it was Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, 11, 10, yes. 9, it was 8th. December 8th, 1884. So let me just go to just because somehow that search term is not. But that doesn't make sense because we read some things in November. Well, I think there are, they were advertising in November that some point in December this band was going to have. I think they're advertising what's coming up. So oh, in December, God. not only we have Jenny Bowman first, Bowen, sorry, then we're going to have a, a speaker. speech by the... Seeley. And then a band's coming. So I think they're... But why it's not an advertisement... But that's just the way we think. They didn't think that way back then, apparently. So Okay. And, you know, that is a good point to make. Uh -huh. When we're reading uh, historical documents and trying to glean clues, we have to realize we may interpret the information based on our experiences in our times yeah. we have to really try to go back to what are they thinking and you know we, we were talking about this earlier a big um uh, evidence of that for me is looking at how they describe the movement of the courthouse mm -hmm. the first courthouse and they talked about moving it and throughout history they passed down uh we've kind of reverenced the building itself mm -hmm. I don't think it was the building that was moving as much as just what we were calling the location of the courthouse. Right. There really wasn't a lot of um, reason to tear down a building, move it, and rebuild it at that time. They were not doing that. They were, they'd just go somewhere else and put up a new log cabin. We, in you know, in modern times, will tear down a building because we see that it's got historical importance right. and move it somewhere else and say, this is an important building. Yes. They were not doing that back then. They were just abandoning it, go build another one. So what I think is possible is that when we read things, we have to look at not putting our prejudice or our judgment mm -hmm. of what we're reading into it. I mean, that's part of how I think our stories have kind of been misinterpreted. Yes. And then eventually 
something altogether not quite the truth. And it's context. You have to take into consideration context and cultural. I mean, then if you go way back, I mean, any culture, what is it a patriarchal society? Is it matriarchal? How do they perceive things? How are our biases influencing how we're, what we're reading? I mean, you know, yeah, you have to be very open-minded to all of it. Yeah, it's not giving me an advertisement. So I'm sure maybe if I did a lot more digging, that's, there's got to be something somewhere. But Well, and were there a lot of like drawings and, and things in the paper at that point? Or was those types of advertisements come a little bit later? It could be later. That's something else to think about. No, I know in some of these papers, though, you should have... Because by 1885, we have a brand new city di a directory yeah. that's going to boast our opera house. And there's no way we can cover all the history surrounding it. I mean, and do it justice in a one-hour podcast. <laughs> yeah, yes. um, you've shared some things on the mm -hmm. on the website, the social media site. Yes, we did a uh, Facebook post on mm -hmm. Sunday mm -hmm. about it. I mean, we posted a photo that we had in our collections that was donated by the Ellett family, mm -hmm. and it is um, a photo of him in his um, military uniform, and on it's um, also has his. Um, Epaulets. I just never say that word properly, mm -hmm. so thank you. Ellet's um, epaulets. Ellet's epaulets. Mm -hmm. we, um, we have those, and we also have. So that would be his one-star general, right? Uh, so it was. They were. They would correspond to his brigadier general mm -hmm. promote or commission. Mm -hmm. We also have. So it was donated by the family. We have um, his official commission, make uh, being uh, brigadier general from his promotion. The, his promotion mm -hmm. uh, signed by Abraham Lincoln. Wow. So that is in collections. It's not on display mm -hmm. as the ink that was used to sign it is fading. Mm -hmm. It is, it's in great condition for the age. That's not, it's, the family took, took wonderful care of it. It's been framed and it's um, in protective glass. It just can't be out on constant display. Mm -hmm. um, we don't want, um, don't want anything to damage it because mm -hmm. it is in great condition. Mm -hmm. I don't want to, I don't want to. So, so something like that in collections, would that be something if someone wanted to make an appointment to view? Do you, do you take those kinds of appointments? I mean, I don't know how that works um, with the archive. For some archive items, now something like that, mm -hmm. I would not probably allow an appointment mm -hmm. unless you're actually the family. Mm -hmm. um, as it is a lot, it's been framed in under glass. It was very large. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's, um, it's a very, and it's heavy and it's, uh, so, and that's not something that I would constantly want to be pulling in and out. Mm -hmm. um, other items, we do have um, an archive index and catalog. So if you are researching something particular, maybe um, we mentioned the uh, Fraser. The, we have the Fraser, something called the Fraser Papers. The family mm -hmm. donated several items, you know, letters or diaries, pictures. Those are a lot more uh, manageable to pull in and out. Mm -hmm. um, but. You have to have appointments for those because those are fragile documents and we have a, have a process on mm -hmm. how to share those with people. Mm -hmm. But yes, there are some things in the archives that we, we can. But for like the Ellet, um, Ellet items, we hopefully will be able to put them on display for the 150th. We'll have mm -hmm. a little a little thing out for them, uh, for him, excuse me, and so we'll figure out something else for that. Good information, good information to know. So, um, if you want to learn more about General Brigadier General Alfred Washington Ellett, there is uh, a lot of information. There's the family books here. We have the family files. Mm -hmm. And, uh, of course, a lot of it you might have to go digging for, as we've learned about everything. El Dorado has a lot of great uh, history maybe not all compiled, but that's what we're doing here on this series. We are researching and collecting and hoping to make that a little more accessible, what is accessible, and when, when, and uh, when, we'll just say when, if, when, um, things are on display, uh, there will definitely be public announcements about yes, that. Yes, yes. Maybe exhibition showings and openings yes. that people yes. can come in. And if, you have, if you're a history lover, Civil War history lover, Want to come learn more about that? You'd be able to be able to do that. So just uh, follow the what the Facebook page or the uh, website. Follow our website, our um, Facebook page, and yes, 
stay tuned. Can they stay sign tuned. up for a newsletter to get information about when events are happening? Yes. Sign, yeah. yeah, sign up for, um, I know we have been doing email. I'll call them an email blast. Mm -hmm. So if you want to sign up for that, you can put um, contact us and put your name down, your email address down for that information. Email. So, but really the most, the best way to interact would be the Facebook page. I would say yes. So yeah. Kansas Oil Museum. Kansas, we are functioning, their Facebook page is Kansas Oil Museum, but it is Butler County Historical Society and Kansas Oil Museum. It's okay. two in one. Perfect. We are grateful for our listeners and our sponsors. And hey, story ideas, if you've got one, you can share it with us on Everyday El Dorado on the Facebook page or our website. You can, uh, under contacts, just send a message and let us know if there's a story you'd like us to cover. Thank you for joining us here on Everyday El Dorado, where we're celebrating 150 years in El Dorado. <laughs> Why would you want to live anywhere else, Suzanne? <laughs> I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> that, that sentence is going to take on I all I have a horse. Way. I can't live horse, have a horse in the middle of El Dorado. So thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Celebrating 150 years in El Dorado is brought to you by Everyday El Dorado in conjunction with Golden Road Studios, the Butler County Historical Society, home of the Kansas Oil Museum, the City of El Dorado, KBTL 88.1 The Grizz, and our series sponsor, Linda Baines, Realtor with Sun Group Real Estate and Appraisal. We're so very grateful for the support that makes this series possible. Be sure to tune in each week on Wednesday at 12 o'clock on KBTL 88.1 The Grizz locally or streaming online by visiting kbtl.butlercc.edu. And in the words made famous by Paul Harvey, you'll be able to hear the rest of the story. All views and opinions expressed on this show are those of the individuals expressing them and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or positions of Butler Community College or KBTL 88.1 The Grizz, El Dorado, Kansas, Radio for Butler. here on Everyday El Dorado, but keep an eye out and an ear open for your source of information on the fine art of living well every day in El Dorado. Have a great day. Oh. No, I'm not a writer. Okay. Yeah.